Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this opportunity uh, just to get into your word, Lord. I thank you that your will be done. Father, I just thank you that every word that comes out of my mouth shall be ministered and effectively, Lord, according to your word. Father, that we hear your voice, that we hear your heart, and that we just uh, feel your presence as you wrap your arms around us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says... Amen and amen. Again, last day of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you've been keeping up on Facebook or even on our sheets that we passed out uh, the very first week, uh, we've had a prayer focus, okay? Every day we had a prayer focus for the last 21 days. And we're down to the last one. And go figure, today's focus is purpose. Look at your neighbor and say purpose. You know, this word can really be used so loosely and without any meaning behind it because it's just kind of thrown out there every so, so often. But I want to bring it back to the root and to the truth of God. And when he says you have a purpose in your life, he means there is something in store for you. Now, if you keep up with our, uh, uh, our prayer focus, you would see a couple of scriptures we would add with it. And one of them comes out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and Paul says this, For we are God's handiwork. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. For we are God's handiwork. You know, when, I know with men, when we do something and we build something, it feels so good to accomplish a task that was before us, whether we used a hammer, a saw, some nails, and just get our hands dirty. It, it, it's, it's, it's our own Handiwork. Other translations say, uh, for, for we are God's masterpiece. And when we accomplished something, there was so much focus and effort into that, that we accomplished. And so when scripture says for God, we are God's handiwork or masterpiece, understand when God created you before you were even born, he took time and put his effort and his love into it, into you, okay? When my wife cooks, it tastes good. She hates when I do this, okay? So I'm not looking at it right now, okay? So when my wife cooks, she's an amazing cook, by the way. You are, baby, okay? And there's just something about it. Her, her, her pancakes are good. You know, her, her tacos are good. Like, they're just good. She just cooks really good. And I'm like, what is it? And I realize she puts all her love into it, her effort. And I say that because God has put all his love into you. Your life is good because he is good, okay? Your life can be great because he is great, you see, trials, circumstances, don't, it doesn't identify who you are or what you are, okay? God has destined you for good and to do good. Let's finish off that scripture. Let's start all over. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For God to prepare in advance for us to do. To do In Christ, we have been given a purpose, guys. He gave us everything we possibly need in advance so that we could advance his kingdom. It comes full circle, okay? I don't think some of you guys are getting it. Let's, let's say that one more time, okay? He prepared us in advance so that you could advance his kingdom here on earth. There is a purpose in your life and why you are here. Just because 21 days of prayer and fasting is over doesn't mean you're done and it's over with you guys and we go back to the normal routines of life. No, because the purpose of 21 days of prayer and fasting is to, is to see the life of God in our life active and to make changes so we can continue this journey called life here on earth. 
This is what he wants for you to do. And what he's doing, guys, is he wants you to do good works. You to do good works here on earth. Now, when you look at the Bible, according to uh, uh, the book of Matthew, you see where Jesus, I mean, we see in the beginning he's born uh, of a virgin and, and, you know, the whole Christmas scene happens and what, why we celebrate that. But then it goes on through his life all the way to walking the earth uh, with his disciples. Then he goes to the cross. He dies for our sins. But then three days later, he's r- risen again. But there's also, after the resurrection, there's a 40-day period where Jesus is walking and, and, and talking on earth with people and with his disciples and still teaching them things, okay? He's showing them life after his resurrection, okay? He's showing them what they have here, what we have here on earth. And when you look at it, he's about to get to the end of his journey here on earth, Okay, he's about to go to the right hand of the Father. And the Bible shows that as he's ascending, okay, in other words, as he's being lifted into the sky, he's saying one last thing to his disciples. The last thing that he said physically here on earth, he's, he's looking at his disciples. The disciples are looking up, and this is what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples disciples. We'll finish the rest in a second. But think about Jesus, his disciples, they're staring at him, and it's the last words that are coming out of his mouth, and what he's doing is he's speaking purpose for them here on earth. Have you ever wondered, or maybe you've heard a friend or a family member say this, why on earth am I here? What's, what is it that I'm here for? I don't quite understand. And in 28, Matthew 28, Jesus is telling us right here, you're here so you can go and make disciples. In other words, go share who, to people around you who I am and let them know that they have a free life here on earth and that there's still a mission for them. It's called the Great Commission. Okay, so Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them, there's another thing that we need to do, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is not just talking to the scholars and to pastors and to those in leadership. He's not just talking to those people. He is talking, they are a part of the group. But who he's talking to to is everyone that has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And church, you have called on on the name of Jesus Christ. He's talking to us, all of us. He's saying, you called on my name. Therefore, you are commissioned by Jesus to go and make disciples, to go, go share the good news about them. You are called to teach them what Jesus taught you here on earth right now. What he's teaching you today is not for you to contain. You see, when my wife made that, that coffee with that French presser, okay, she didn't hoard it. She shared it. And so I felt the smoothness. She felt the smoothness. Some of our families came over. They, they, they tasted how good it was. It was not just for her. You see, when you taste how good your heavenly father is, you need to pass it on. It is not just for you, but it's for you to share And so when you have an understanding now, there is purpose for me on this earth, and it's for me to go and make disciples. What that really defines as is you tasted God, let them, and how about you share and let them taste God and how good he is. 
And there's going to be times where we're going to be pressed or we're going to have to press in. But they're going to taste how smooth our Heavenly Father is, how good he is. You know, on Sundays we come in here during worship time and, and we declare it through worship, through music. Which, by the way, that is one form of worshiping. Okay, but, uh, but total true worship is expressing your love to Jesus. So when you are sharing good news, when you are reaching those that's hard to reach to or loving those that's hard to love, you are worshiping. When, you, when a husband loves his wife and a wife loves, his husband, loves her husband right back, you are worshiping. When, when you love your children and you want to just get angry, but you're following and abiding by what his word says and you're disciplining them, you're correcting them, and you're raising them, you are worshiping your heavenly father. Now, if you're not married and you're living and you're devoted your life to, to your God and you are careful and you follow his, his commands and what he teaches you and you're just a simple light and example to those that are around you, you are worshiping your heavenly father. You are worshiping him. But so many times we can get a concept of, well, just worship requires music and us being at church. No, you can worship 24-7. When you're sleeping and you're getting rest because God says rest is good for you, and I'm speaking to those that are, 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 are workaholics. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to throw it out there. Those that feel like i got to get every single hour in to make every single dollar because I'm on a roll right now. God's saying, hey, when you sleep and you allow your body to, to recover, you're worshiping me. You're worshiping me. There are many ways. There's true worship. It's just expressing your love to him. My favorite is when I'm sleeping. I love that. It's my favorite type of worship. <laughs> and when you do that, church, understand. When you understand, okay, there's a mission now. I have it. You, what you're doing is you're desiring more of him. Say, I desire more of him. Because your desire, because of your desire and wanting more of him, what's happening is there are doors in your life that are going to open. Many doors in your life. Doors that no man can open and no money can open. God will open. Okay? And I can say that as a testimony, as a witness. And I've heard a lot of your guys' stories throughout the years that I've known you guys. Those that are, are, are new here and I'm starting to get to know, I know I'm going to hear stories about what God's doing in your life already. Because I know how good he is. And you're going to experience the same thing. Wherever you're at in life, wherever you're doing, whether you, whatever job you have, or, or, or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, or, or wherever you're at, Doors will open for your life if you press in and you taste how good he is and you understand I have a purpose in my life. This is what I was born to do. Now, when you go to the Old Testament, I think we have a perfect example of this, okay? And we're looking at David, King David, all right? And David was named King of Israel at the age of 30, now, this is David, that, that, that the young boy that, saw, that slayed Goliath, the giant. Okay, so now David has become king, and he's 30 years old. And the scriptures in 2 Samuel literally say that the people wanted David as king. The people wanted him as king. They, they were like, we want you as our, our king. Understand that there was already a king, and his name was Saul. Okay, and he was not good. Let's just put it that way. Okay, he was not good towards his people. God's people, or even his calling and what he was supposed to do as a king. He was so distracted of the flaws and, and, and wanted to do evil that he neglected what he was called to do as king. And because of it, many th bad things happened to the people. 
But now we're at the point in 2 Samuel where, where the people want David as king, so he becomes king, and David is just uh, um, not bowed to, but he's looked up to. And the reason why is because God, David, David already was with God's people and took care of them. And the scripture said that he reigned for years. I think about 40 years he reigned as their king. Now check this out. But the Philistines, okay, those are Goliath's people, the giants, okay. The Philistines heard about David becoming king. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure they didn't like it. And they wanted to do something about it. In my opinion, now this is just me, this is me kind of seeing things. I personally believe it's because of Goliath. That's why they didn't like it. The Philistines heard that David is king, so they didn't like it because of what happened a while ago. Now, when you kind of look through the whole story, David was a teenage boy, let's say 12, 13 years old, when he, when he killed Goliath. Their champion, by the way, okay, their champion, the best warrior out of all Philistines, their champion, and a little boy came, and the name of the Lord is what Scripture says, and he just dropped him dead. Dropped him dead. He slayed that giant because he was standing for righteousness. He was standing for the name of the Lord, okay? And in 2 Samuel 5, 4, says David was king at the age of 30. Let's do a little math here. We're looking about maybe 15, 16, 17 years in between, between David and Goliath and David becoming king, okay? You guys with me right now? Awesome, okay, because I don't think I'm with me right now. Math is like just, <laughs> just joking, but when you look at about 15, 16, 17 years in between, between David and Goliath and then David becoming king, that's not that long. So when they hear that David is king, they're remembering. They're probably remembering what David did, the same boy. For instance, 17 years ago, I'm pretty sure probably, except the children, <laughs> adults, can remember what happened. You can remember the time and the place when 9-11 happened. 17 years ago. I was 16 years old in my living room. I was supposed to be in school. I wasn't. Plain sick. My mom's not here, so I can say that. <laughs> and I remember waking up at 9 o'clock in the morning and seeing everything unfold on the news. I remember the, to the T. I remember the whole day. I still showed up to football practice that day because football was my life at the time. Okay? We were horrible, but it was my life at the time. Okay? And I remember looking in the sky and hearing quietness in the sky. That was 17 years ago, but I feel like it was yesterday. Think about it for a second. I'll give you 10 seconds. Just think about what you were doing that day. Pretty fresh, right? Now imagine imagine the Philistines. They hear David is king. The David that slayed their champion. How fresh do you think it's in their head? Pretty fresh, right? You're talking about 15, 16, 17 years in between. Pretty fresh, okay? And the Philistines remember their champion went down and that they had to run and flee against the people they didn't like, God's people. So when they hear David is king, I'm pretty sure rage started coming into them. And the reason why I believe that is because you got to listen to what King David says and what the scripture says. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. Okay, it says, when the Philistines heard, everyone say heard. Heard. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force. 
They went up in full force. In other words, they threw everything. They're going to go everything they have, all their strength, all their men, all their weapons, even the kitchen sink we're going to throw at David. We're going full force and we're not pulling any punches back. Okay? They went full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. And by the way, the stronghold, it might, it might have just been a secluded area for David where he had a alone time. Maybe it was a wilderness. Because we look in the book of Psalms, he's always in the wilderness, all right, seeking his God out. But it says, David heard, then he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. And the Lord answered him, David, go. I love that. Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to bel Perazim, and there he defeated them. There he defeated them. You see, when, when the Philistines came at full force and David got word that they're coming full force at us, at me, to take me out, David had a choice to make. He could have gathered all his men up, those that wanted him king, those that said, I will lay my life down for you as our king. But he didn't. He chose to find that place with the Lord. And he said, he inquired the Lord. There are times in our lives where there are big decisions we have to make. Or maybe we feel like I'm being attacked right now by the enemy and all these things are coming up. And what we tend to do is pull every weapon we have to fight them back. And reality is, it is not strong enough to take a circumstance down or a problem or an issue or anything like that. And God is saying, I have never told you to go fight that battle, period. Because you're fighting nothing right now. But I have called you to inquire me and ask me. And when we inquire the Lord into our decisions, into our everyday lives, we see victory won. And like, for instance, because David inquired the Lord, he asked, in other words, he asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go or not? Because I'll go, but if you tell me to go. And I'll stay if you tell me to stay. I won't move, Lord. What do you want me to do? And God commissioned him, and because of it, the battle was in his hands. Remember, David said this a second ago. As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies. In other words, David had a, had a, had a situation in his life where he needed a breakthrough in his life. A breakthrough. Ever feel that before? Ever feel like you're pinned to the ropes and you just need a breakthrough in life? That breakthrough, in other words, that, that word is a sudden burst. Jesus brought that breakthrough in his life, brought that victory in his life. It was a sudden burst in his life, and the doors opened for him to have the battle in his hands because God opened the door, not man. God opened the door. And some of you guys need a breakthrough here right now, and I know I'm speaking to somebody here, okay? You need a breakthrough in your life, but God is calling and saying to you, you need to inquire me first. You don't see or feel that because you're not inquiring me. You're not coming to me for the battle's already in your hands. And when you inquire me, I show you that. I give you that. There is no place in the entire Bible, and if you don't believe me, check it out. There is no place in the Bible, okay, where you see breakthroughs happen, but yet the people don't seek out God. 
You don't see that. They don't seek God out, there's no breakthroughs. They're seeking God out, there's breakthroughs in their life. Because they're inquiring the Lord. They're going to their secluded area, their stronghold. By the way, Jesus Christ is that stronghold for us. Our fortified city, our strong tower is what scripture says. Jesus is that. Okay? But you don't see that. Only those that inquire the Lord, you see breakthroughs happen. For instance, you look at Samson, one of God's warriors, one of his strong. He sought out the Lord's strength. He sought it out. And he was a mighty warrior. But when he did it on his own, he was weak and he was defeated. Weak and defeated. But when he sought out and he inquired the Lord, he was strong and mighty. You look at Moses. Moses sought out the face of the Lord and he was glowing with his presence. He was glowing and radiating the Lord when he sought him out. But when he did things on his own, he was driven by anger. He was driven by anger. I mean, you look through the story, you'll see the tablets breaking, making them drink the gold and, you know, just knocking things over, striking the rock. God was faithful, but anger was something he battled when he didn't uh, seek him out. But those times where he was secluded and at the mountain by himself, glory fell. Glory fell, and the people noticed. When you seek out the Lord, when you say, I got that purpose, you know what? When, I, when you say, it is the last day of my 21 days of prayer and fasting, but there is still a 2018 that I still got to run this course, you're going to see God move. You're going to see God do his thing in your life, and you're going to see people coming to the Lord because they're tasting the goodness of him. You know, church, can I share something that's away from my notes for a second? I truly believe, and my wife truly believes with all my heart, with all our hearts, we're one. (laughs) That our church is bigger than what we see. Because of your networking, I believe there are people that came to the Lord because of what you're doing from your end. We don't physically got to see it. I know when you go out there, there are people around you that are looking up to someone and that's you so what I what I say to you church is I encourage you to continue this journey you need to desire more of him because that desire is going to be that drive for you and breakthroughs only happen when you desire more of him and you go after him because when you go He's going with you. Remember what Jesus said earlier when I read that scripture? Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Guess what, church? The age is not over. You may be aging, I may be aging, but the age itself is not over. And he is still with you. He said, surely I am with you always. And so when you go out there and you go to your jobs and you go to your families and you're on the phone and you're text message and you're FaceTiming and you're on Facebook and you're reaching people around you, he is with you every step of the way. He is with you everywhere you go. And when you go to your stronghold and you inquire the Lord on a big decision or even small decisions, he will release you and tell you exactly what you need to do. Understand that there is nothing too big for him 
but there is also nothing too small for him. Yeah, but that's just a little thing. I don't think, that's not, that's nothing big. No, if it's important to you, it's important to him. You're his child. I know as, as a father, when a little incident happens with my kids, maybe on the playground or outside or with each other, and it could be the smallest thing. You looked at me wrong. <laughs> I'm still in the mix of it, helping and addressing and, and correcting and disciplining and loving it, including my wife. Because no matter how big or how small, we love them. And God sees you exactly the same way. He says, go and make disciples. Understand, guys, that we have a patient God. A God who's so patient and is waiting for us to go and move. You know, there are times where we can feel like, well, there's just no hope. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Let me remind you guys, every single one of you guys has a unique you're a masterpiece, remember that. You have a unique gifting that God's given you. Whether it's a smile, a handshake, conversation, ministering, whatever it is, God says, operate in that. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a platform. You need a heart that's chasing me, is what he's saying. And when you have this, when you can fine tune this and say, I'm gonna make sure this is always with you, God. He's able to use and operate through you because of his Holy Spirit. And when you feel like, I just, I, I, I can't do it, you have to remember what the Bible says. When you look in 1 Corinthians, look at the Apostle Paul, who had a rough journey before Christ and then coming to Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians, I don't come with an elaborate speech or persuasive words. I just come to demonstrate the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves, guys, from any type of talk of Jesus. It's because we just simply feel like we can't do it. But when you remember, it ain't about your persuasive words. You're not the one that's supposed to persuade him. Let God do that, okay? When you understand, well, I don't got the elegant speech or the big vocabulary, let's be honest, that's not me right now. Let's be honest with you. But when you can say, I don't care. I am here to demonstrate the power of my mighty God. And even though I'm imperfect and, I, and I'm, I got flaws in me, I am made complete in Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm not ashamed to say, hey, you need Jesus in a right way, with the right approach. Let me show you some things. Operate in the gifting that you have. Because there are people I can never reach that you can. There are people that, that you can never reach that I can. You guys have it. I'm going to close with one passage. I want you guys to listen, not with your, just your physical ears, but with your heart. This is a personal letter to you. This comes out of Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says, a final word. Everyone say a final word. And in other words, there's a... Boom. You ever write a letter and at the end of it, when you're done, sign it off, get ready to mail it, post office stamps it, it's final, it's done. Okay? Paul says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. For, in other words, people. Okay? Okay? 
but there's a motive behind it. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Verse 16, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation. Say that again. Put on salvation. I'm gonna put that, say that one more time. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And then Paul says it this way, verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times on every, everyone say every. On every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. That letter is to you guys, it's to me. God is saying, I have prepared you in advance. I have given you all that you need in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can advance his kingdom. It is not over. It is not too late. Whoever you're praying for, because you know they need the Lord, be persistent and stand your ground. Let the devil see that you're not playing games. If it is your personal life, if it is you, take that final word and put the helmet of salvation knowing I can be right with God. That when the enemy tries to come at me with his thoughts, I got a helmet that protects me and it's called my salvation. And when I walk this life, when I walk this earth and it's shaky and I don't know what it's gonna look like next and I don't know what the next step is gonna be, he says, hey, are your shoes fitted? for the gospel of peace because you can walk in peace even when it's hell on earth. One of my favorite ones is the belt of truth. A belt's purpose, you better keep your pants up so when you run this race, you're not stumbling. His truth wrapped around your waist will keep you in line and will help you not stumble. The breastplate of righteousness you know the purpose of the shield or, or the, the, the breastplate of righteousness? The purpose of the breastplate is to protect the, the main organs, your heart, your liver, your lungs, everything, kidneys. Because one of those things are shot or hit by an arrow, guess what? You're out. Physically, you're out. He says, but when you put my righteousness, when you allow me to place righteousness on you and the enemy comes at you and he tries to penetrate a fire arrow into your heart, guess what stands and protects you? My righteousness. My righteousness. That's what protects you. Understand, righteousness is simply doing and standing and looking right before God. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. He gave it to us. 
So no matter what you're going through or what you're going through right now, you are made right before God because of Jesus' obedience, not because of us. Let's rest in that for a while. He gave you a defense, a shield of faith. And he said, whenever attacks come your way, put that faith up. And not only that, counter it with my word, the sword of the spirit. Now think about all that you've been equipped with. I feel like Iron Man right now. <laughs> but think about all that you've been equipped with, okay? And now think of the circumstance you might, you might, have been in, you might be in right now or, or maybe just got out of. <laughs> Sticking the chest out and you're like, I got a God has got me. I'm good now. Because truth came to you and you took one second, or actually you took about 10 minutes to allow this letter to come to you, which means you just inquired with the Lord. And he reminded you, the battle is in your hands. I will deliver the enemy in your hands. He is defeated already underneath your feet. You see what happens when you inquire the Lord? Last 20 minutes, we've just been inquiring the Lord right now. And you now know I can do all things in Christ. This world won't stop me. Jesus has already prepared you in advance so that you can advance his kingdom. That is your purpose. Desire him more. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, for your truth and your word, Father. Thank you for the insight that you bring into our lives. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you for your salvation, Lord. Thank you for everything you've equipped us for this evil world today. Thank you for reminding us with your final word that we can continue to stand our ground and stand firm. Lord, remind us through your Holy Spirit every day about this. Let your word not be far from our lips. Let your word just penetrate the middle of our hearts right now, Lord. We pray this unto you right now, Lord Jesus. But for someone to have this, church, understand you first need to come to Jesus Christ. A couple of invitations for you. First time you've ever heard Jesus this way. This way. And you didn't realize the love that he is in your life. He's not a scary God. He's a God of mercy and compassion, of hope with the future, with brighter days before you. And he's saying, come home, come to me. Your second invite is, you knew that already, but you haven't been living it out. And in a sense, you've kind of let it fade away from you. Church, you can come back home. Like the prodigal son who left, made a huge mistake, and came back. He's saying, you can come back, and my arms are wide open. And the way you pursue me, I'm pursuing you even faster, because I love you more. I'm your daddy. Any of those two invites, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. Let the Holy Spirit speak, and don't be ashamed. One, I need Jesus. Two, I want Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you back there. God bless you. The best decision you guys are ever gonna make. God bless you, God bless you. 
the best decision you will ever make. Because the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you say, I'm coming home to you, Jesus, is the moment he's put a robe over you and a ring on your finger. And he's saying, I have always been faithful to you and I will always love you and nothing will separate that. Nothing on earth or in hell. Nothing. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what bills you have to pay or what relationships are broken or or where you're standing right now or what you're gonna eat later today or what job you don't have. I don't care. Nothing can separate the love I have for you and I will supply everything for you is what God is saying. Let him clothe you. Church, there's a lot of people here that just made this decision. We're gonna do this as a family. I want everyone to put their hand over their heart and just mean this with all your heart. With all your, with all your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that I can call you dad. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Broken, hurt, sometimes confused. But I know your word will bring restoration to my body will bring peace to my mind, strength to my body, and hope for my future. I trust you. Holy Spirit, make a home in me. Remind me of your teachings as I continue to walk this journey called life. Lord, I'm sorry for all that I committed against you. But according to my faith, In the name of Jesus Christ, I receive your forgiveness and your mercy and your goodness. In Jesus' name, take my life. I'm your child. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shouts out.